Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Post. Hey, Michelle. Hello, Scott. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and for liking and sharing. Liking and sharing. And <laughs> you know what? Something, it's interesting that you say that because something we have not told people or reminded people about in a while is yeah. we have we have a Facebook group uh, that is available for folks. Like yes, we keeping, do. Your, keeping your shit together Facebook group. If any yeah. of you would like to join that, uh, you go to Facebook and type in keeping your shit together. Uh, or you can find it through Michelle's or my uh, personal Facebook pages. You'll see it's one of our groups and you happy to join us there and you can post questions and we, we give you content and we certainly remind you about all the segments that are being shot and it's, it's a lot of fun. So join us mm -hmm. there as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What you got going on, Michelle, that's new that we should talk about. Oh, new. What is new? Well, I, this is not a client thing. This is a Michelle project thing that I'm kind of proud of. So uh, Dee Dee Hirsch Mental Health mm -hmm. Services is in Southern California, one of the largest mental health nonprofits in California, maybe the world. Um, and I have a longstanding history of working with their suicide prevention center, everything from helping to train people that work the crisis line to helping to train their therapists who work with people creating content. Like there was a teen survivors of suicide support group that I created. And today I just finished the first high level draft of what is called a suicide caregivers support group, which ran me a little late for you today, Scott. So thank you for letting me be imperfect because it's for a really good cause. So this is for caregivers, loved ones, friends, family, of people who have suicidal ideation from time to time or a past suicide attempt, you know, what do we do? How do we help people in our life that we love? We feel, you know, inept or, or, uh, you know, past our skill level and we want to be of support, but we don't want to do anything wrong. What can we do and what should we not do? And so it's, it's going to be a 10 week support group that wow. they are launching and the curriculum is really good. We're, we're pulling a lot of information from their survivors of suicide attempts support group. Cause that's another group that they offer. If you know someone or you yourself have had a past attempt of suicide, they have a support group for you. Um, and they're virtual now, sadly it's for people who are in California cause that's where their license extends to, but they're hoping that with some of these support groups, they can reach more national, national people. And they're a great resource, no matter where you live in the world to contact through their website. So anyway, that is just a personal accomplishment that happened to me just now. I sent off the edits to the editor and I sent off the report to the director or VP. And I'm very, very happy. That is wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I got a quick question for you. Sure, sure. Uh, you've, you've mentioned this before, and I don't think we've ever talked about it on the show. What is suicide, suicidal ideation? Yeah. Okay. So it's, so there's passive and active and passive is like, what's the point of living? I, you know, why do I do anything? We're all going to die. Um, you know, life is so hard. It would be better if I just wasn't alive. Like that's passive thoughts. Okay. So ideation are another word for thoughts, ideas. So those are passive thoughts, active thoughts, take those thoughts and begin to say things like, I no longer want to live and I want to do something about it. I want to act ah, on those thoughts. Okay. Right. So I'm thinking about when. I'm thinking about how I might end my life. I'm thinking about a, a timeline. I might start giving away things that are meaningful. I might feel 
like I'm starting to tidy up the end of my life in preparation for this. I might start storing things that could help me take my life. So that's, that's active and then um, passive. Um, okay. The, re- the reason I was asking that is, you know, I've often heard us because we've talked periodically about grief. We've talked about suicide. We've talked about suicide prevention and the helplines and the like. And as we've talked, I've, you know, these little fleeting thoughts have gone through my head, ideation, ideation. You know, I watch a TV show or a movie and there are themes that come up and I, I don't know about anybody else, but you know, when I watch a movie, I tend to find a character I associate with, put myself in that character's role right. or place and wonder what I would do if I was them. And I didn't know if maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you got a character who's, I'll just be bizarre here, a gunfighter and they're out there and they don't care if they live or they die. They're going to yeah. pursue truth, justice in the American way. And they're going to, you know, make everything right with the world. And that that's suicidal? kind of, a, that's, that's kind of suicidal. And so I wanted for listeners yeah. who, might, who might be in my position, who don't know, you know, every now and then there's like, God, I wonder what's that like? Or we'd listen to things in the news. Yeah, and, You know, it's, uh, as a, as an example, this wasn't really where I was going to go today. Um, but you know, I, I was very blessed to be able to spend some time with Robin Williams, uh, while he was filming, oh. um, Mark and Mindy and oh. actually sp- spent a, a good deal of the day on set with him and Pam Dauber and some of the other folks there while they were rehearsing. This wasn't with an audience privately. And then when he died, committed suicide. Obviously in my head, it was, God, what was he thinking? What did he have to be to be there? And I wasn't sure. The reason I asked that is I wasn't sure uh, if that was suicidal ideation or if that's just being sympathetic or that's, you know, so I I don't want listeners to be very clear that when we talk about suicide, suicidal ideation, it's a specific thing. It is. It's not just you wondering about your own life or death or, or what life after death might look like, or even what does it feel like to be, you know, trying to imagine what does it feel like to have such depression and hopelessness that you want to end your life. Like we saw with uh, Robin Williams and Anthony Bourdain and, and many, many other, many other Kurt Cobain, you know, many other famous people. Right. So uh, that's different than you feeling like your life is so hopeless and helpless. Ah, got it. You okay. matter so little in, you think you matter so little in your life that you cannot see the point of continuing on got it. and well, you thank- want to die. All right. Yeah. Well, I think, thank you for that clarification. I'm sure it will help uh, some, of, some of the listeners, if not most of the listeners, because I've often wondered, and I, yeah, I could have gotten on Google, but I never yeah. did and, and looked it up. And um, b- because in the last show, we talked about the five remembrances. Yeah. And part of that is, you know, that I came to that through Alan Watts, who talked about one of the greatest meditations you can ever do is meditating on your own death. Right. And so I, I'm assuming that's not suicidal that's ideation. That's different. Yeah. Okay. Acknowledging your own existential crises of life and death and meaning of life are different than wanting to take action to end your life Got it. Uh, through un, unnatural causes. Okay. Very cool. Um, well, yeah. I will, sh- I will share one thing. Uh, yeah. That, that, What's that, up with you? That's, that's exciting. Uh, didn't want to say anything until it was complete. It is now complete. Okay. Uh, On on Tuesday, I got to uh, do a TV show uh, and it was with Josh Gates and it was for his TV TV show, uh, Josh Gates Tonight. It's in its fifth season now. It's very, so he's obviously very popular Uh on the the Discovery Channel. So uh, I got to do some of my magic and some of my mystery work and uh, it was an all day filming and it was an absolute blast. We filmed it at the magic castle. They, oh. they, so the castle was close to the public. Yeah, it was, became a, it became a film set and the crew came in and we had a very early morning call. And as a matter of fact, right after the last show, I took off and went down there. So I didn't, and spent the night down there. So I didn't have to fight traffic in the following 
the following morning. And for anybody who's not in Los Angeles, I call Los Angeles my 45-minute town uh, be, be, <laughs> because it will take you 45 minutes to get anywhere. Down the street, around the block, anywhere, across five town, miles. across yep. the crosswalk, it's 45 minutes. It's 45 minutes. Um, and when there's traffic, it gets worse. So. Yep. It's the only, only place in the world I've experienced so far, although maybe places in India and, and uh, in Asia are, are different, but at least in the U.S., it's the only place that I know where five miles can take you an hour. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, for those of you who are interested, it will uh, air on January, pardon me, January, on June 22nd uh, at, at 10 p.m. Pacific time on Discovery. And it follows, I think it's Expedition Unknown is the first show at eight, then Expedition X at nine, and then Josh Gates tonight at 10, sometimes on your, your TV channel listings, they're all listed together. It's like one giant three-hour Josh Gates block. Okay. Uh, but it's also, it will also, I've, I was just told yesterday, as a matter of fact, by the producer, it will be available on YouTube TV, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Discovery Plus, uh, basically a bunch of different platforms. And I'll, I love it. I'll remind everybody as we get closer. And it was a Please. lot, of, it was a lot of fun and a nice change of pace. And for those of you who do know who Josh Gates is, uh, what a nice guy. I, it, we just, we just had a blast together. And, Aww, um, so even after, to hear. even, even after the filming, uh, there's a thing in Hollywood called craft services where they feed you yes. because, because it's very important to feed the cast and crew. You don't want everybody uh, miserable. And, you know, yes. he, he and I were sitting around, by the way, we had pizza and salad. Um, <laughs> we were sitting around, he's just a nice down to earth guy from right oh. outside, from right outside Boston. Oh, wow. Now, wow. Now, tra now transplanted into California. So very nice guy. Oh, that's so cool. It's, you know, when we hear some horror stories about how people can be in the entertainment industry, it's really nice when we find someone who has great character and is a joy to be with. I, you know, and it, it's, I'm not going to name names because I don't, I just, it's not, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be polite to do so. Wouldn't because, be polite. Be, well, because <laughs> both of them are, have passed on now um, and they can't defend themselves. <laughs> but two, two of the, 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 the nastiest people I was ever around in Hollywood, yeah. America would be shocked because they were, they were literally, although different TV shows, yeah. um, one was America's mom and one was oh. America's dad uh, uh, is how they, wow. were, how they were portrayed and privately. It's like, OMG. Um, I watched the, the female lady uh, throw I'll call it a hissy fit, throw, throw an absolute fit on set uh, yeah. after they had called cut and she was completely upset at a stage, at a crew member who had put his foot up on the, the lower rung of her set chair. Oh, and she, yeah. And another one, the, the gentleman and, and the gentleman, um, the, the, the man uh, happened to be at the magic castle while I was there. And, um, what a full of yourself. Oh my goodness guy. It's like mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. just completely different characteristics from what you see on TV and what you see in person, but uh -huh. very, but not very often. I, I will tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm usually very, very, uh, pleased with the personalities and the down to earthness. And, you know, even if they're not people I've met friends of mine who, who know, you know, some of these mega stars and they just talk about how down to earth some of these people really Aww. are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard rave raves about Bruce Willis. I've heard raves. Oh. I've heard raves about Brad Pitt. That's really funny about Bruce Willis. Cause I think there's a whole, if you're a Kevin Smith fan, who's behind, Oh, is it mall mall rats? I don't know. I'm not a Kevin Smith follower, and so I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, he, he has a whole shtick about Bruce Willis. I'm not sure what that's about, but <laughs> just different perspective, but, but Bruce apparently yeah. called him and apologized on, on one of his things. Um, well, anyway, you know, it's kind and, of funny. And, and I'm, and I'm also guessing we all have bad days. And when you're under a, a microscope, like when you're under a microscope, like, like a lot of these folks are, it's, uh, uh, it only takes oh, one bad day. You're, you're going to have a bad day in public. And, uh, yeah. It happens. Yeah, so you are mm -hmm. someone's going to catch it. Yeah. 
So speaking of catching it, speaking of catching it, um, let's talk about today's topic and that things I don't want to admit, (laughs) you know, how, how to let your spouse or your significant other or your lover or your friend, whoever, how to let your, your partner be right. And I added said no one ever. And I joked Uh about it in the last show because I said, you know, the, the, the movie love story, the tagline is saying, sorry, pardon me. Love is never having to say you're sorry. And, and we, we both shook our heads and said, God, how many marriages has that destroyed? Seriously. Um, And I will tell you as I'll be candid with everybody, as I get, as I mature, (laughs) um, my hearing is getting worse. (laughs) And so that necessarily, and so that necessarily, and I'm younger than you. Well, it runs in my family. it, it does not run in my family. Mine is actually, they think an external cause. Um, and it's come, fr- it, 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 we won't get into it just because of the headlines today. And I don't want to get into right, it. Right, right. Um, but anyway, my hearing loss is there and it has been tested and <laughs> it's literally right at the decibel level of my wife's talking. <laughs> And I've talked yes. to a number of other friends of mine who have similar hearing loss. Yes. And all of them are at the same place because they, because they are being accused of literally not listening. Well, you can hear this and you can hear that. You're not listening to me. Right. And that has in turn led to a number of things that I have misheard. Me too. And, and I'm a, I'm a number of years younger than you. And uh, I'm having the same thing with uh, Brian, my partner. <laughs> yeah. And well, that, that then led to, I, I had mentioned to Michelle, the British comedian, comedian uh, Peter Kay. Yes. And if you guys have not, go look up Peter K. It's Peter, like Peter Rabbit, K-K-A-Y. Uh-huh. Go look him up on YouTube. And, but more importantly, look up his misheard lyrics. Yes. Routine. Yes. Now. I don't know that anyone other than him with that accent and with that personality could pull this off. I'm certainly true. True. It's accent related. Yes. But But funny. It is. (laughs) It is bone splittingly funny, Uh Um, uh which then led me to to go back because it's happened with me. As a matter of fact, we'll be in the car with my hearing loss and I'll say to my wife, did they really just say what I think they said? And she's, oh. and she, it's like, what did you hear? Yeah, I, I'll say it. And she'll say that isn't even close to what they said. So I actually looked up online uh-huh. some of the, some of the most famous misheard lyrics. Oh, this is going to make me laugh. Oh, good. There's a little self-care in this episode with and, my and, laughter. <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you which of these I'm guilty of, but I looked at them and went, shit, that's not the line. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it too. <laughs> so one of my favorite groups out there is Credence Clearwater Revival. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. And one of the most, because of the way they sing it. Now understand, I'm going to put the blame on the lack of enunciation of the singer and sure. or the way they recorded. It couldn't be the listener. It but couldn't be the listener. Most, most listeners have heard the line as there's a bathroom on the right. right. Okay. The actual line is there's a bad moon on the rise. Oh, <laughs> I, never, I, I do know the line. There's a bad moon on the rise, but somehow I learned it. <laughs> yeah, you learned it. So how, how about this one from Madonna? The misheard lyric is like a virgin touched for the 31st time. <laughs> Where the correct the correct lyric is like a virgin touched for the very first time. Now, granted, yes. as I'm saying them, it doesn't have the same thing as if you're singing it. If you just touched go back and for listen, thirty first time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going through some well, of this. I've got one from life, if you don't mind. Oh yeah, go for it. it. So in grads. In grad school, I was having kind of an argument. I'm embarrassed, but a wonderful colleague of mine was patient with me. And we were talking about the Wings Paul McCartney song, um, which is now I know, maybe I'm amazed. Is that it? Maybe I'm amazed. And I always thought it was, baby, I'm amazed at the love you, like baby. 
I always did too. Maybe. Yeah. Right. And he's like, that's name of the song it's maybe and then in high school my friend's mom cracked me up because she said there was this really tall large woman that was dating this little tiny scrawny guy and the song oldies song came out big girls don't cry mm-hmm. but she always sang it thinking it was big girl small fry <laughs> well because she thought about this couple she knew in high school big girl small fry that it was all about couples like that, a big girl with a small fry. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you know, and, and again, it's we hear things like this. I'll add one last one because it's yeah. a, you know, it's a Led Zeppelin stairway to heaven. Okay. The misheard lyric is there's a wino down the road. <laughs> and the correct lyric is, and as we, we wind, wind on, on down, down the road. road. And so I, I hear things like this and I read oh. things like this and we joke about things like this. This can get really serious though when it comes to communication. It. Yeah. Like if you think for years you've you've heard something one yeah. way and you're right, which applies to life, right? Not just lyrics, then you're fighting for what you think is what you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it, you know, it, and and in the real world, I was telling some of this led to this conversation today. I was telling uh, Michelle, I had real world, right? I, I had gone to get uh, a blood test for my annual physical. And uh-huh. as I'm walking now, first of all, I got to also add that when you couple either lack of attention or physical challenges with hearing, whatever the issue is, you couple right. that with wearing masks it right. doesn't make things any better. Right. It doesn't, you know, cause you can't read lips. So that, I can't, that makes I, up for my hearing sometimes. Yeah. So I can't, but I can't blame the following on, <laughs> I can't blame the following on masks or even hearing. So the, the lab tech was taking me back to get my blood drawn into the vampire room and out of the corner of my eye, we're walking down a hall the first time I'd ever been to this facility uh-huh. out of the corner of my eye. I see a restroom uh-huh. and in the hospital, you know, they have the big signs on the sure. door uh-huh. and I saw the sign and I saw what it said. I thought, As? I thought, and then I said to the lab tech, you guys are very progressive here. And she said to me, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. And I said that the bathroom over there, I said, how many hospitals actually offer a gender reveal room? (laughs) And she looked at me and she said, we don't have one of those. (laughs) I said, I saw the sign. And she, she, she actually said, what are you talking about? And because of where it was located, I just pointed out there and I said, right there. And then I, as I was doing that, I went, shit. Oh, it It, doesn't say that. the, The sign said gender neutral. So it's gender neutral bathroom. That's what it said on it. It said gender neutral bathroom. And I, in all fairness, we just had a a brand new grandbaby. So again, this is, this adds to the misconception and the misreading. Projection. Mm -hmm. We just had a a new grandbaby right before that. We had done a gender reveal party at our house that we had hosted. Uh That's where my head was. I Uh saw gender. I saw bathroom. I put gender reveal. I never read neutral. (laughs) And you've got to wonder how often through life we go through those things. Seriously. And I would have sworn sworn that that's what it said. Yeah. I mean, I, I, one simple little funny one for me in real life is you know, the big electronic signs they have on the side of the freeway to make announcements. So it's driving yeah, the ones, the ones that take your attention away, but say, don't text and drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those, exactly. So I was driving through Florida and saw what I thought said F O O T test foot test. And I kept seeing foot test foot test. And so I said to my partner who was driving, why do they keep having all these signs about foot tests? And he says, Michelle, that's not foot tests. It's FDOT, Florida Department of Transportation Test. (laughs) But the D looked like an O. And so, you know, think about all the times we just silly, in a silly way, have false information. 
right? And then we're fighting for it to be truth and accuracy with a partner, a coworker, a, you know, a loved one, something like that. That's exactly what we're talking about is, you know, these misunderstandings that can be funny um, when you're in real life situation, that other person be right. Well, and, and that kind of brings us to the whole point, the whole of this topic. And that is, it, what's more important for you to, to have a, a loving relationship or to be right? Yeah. Um, because yeah. again, you know, particularly as an attorney, but as a spouse, I've been wrong. Yes. And if I fight to the death yes. for what I believe is the accuracy, yes. and it's, it's like, well, what happens when you find out you're wrong, Scott? Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe, and so this is a, a great way for you, Michelle, as a couples counselor, as a, as yeah. a therapist, right? Yeah. Relationship therapist. What do you do when you have a couple show up and you can tell that they just want to be right? Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's one of the 15 styles of cognitive distortion. So I usually will move the conversation into an education about all, all the different kinds of cognitive distortions and what to do instead. But being right is one of the cognitive distortions. And it's a warning sign that the person is distortion in distortion land where they are more concerned about proving that they're right for whatever reason than they are about finding mutual understanding, compassion, connection, collaboration, all of the, all of the good kind of teamwork words. It's just this being right is somehow tied to maybe ego or self-esteem or something of that nature. And they dig in with their heels. And, and sometimes these things are not factual that you can fact check on Google or Wikipedia. You know, it's one thing to be misunderstanding lyrics that you can then search and find the answer for, right? It's another thing to have perceived a situation or a problem with this hypothesis and not be open to seeing your hypothesis is wrong. Well, and it's that mind reading thing, right? Just yes. you're not a mind reader. I play one on TV, but I'm not, a, you know, you're not a mind reader. Um, and, and it kind of brings me back to particularly, I'll, I'll tie it in with the whole magic thing and mystery mm -hmm. thing that I do. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm able to do the things that I do because the public, in, uh, for the most part, they're so tied in and so rooted in seeing is believing. Yeah. And I'll take it one step further. Hearing is believing. Yeah. And rather than the opposite of that, believing is seeing. <laughs> and that's when we talk about the cognitive distortions and the, you know, the, the fallacies that we all fall prey to periodically. Yes. And that yes. is to, you know, how do you though tell someone you're wrong. Yeah. How do you tell, yeah. how do you let someone tell you I'm wrong Yeah. without it becoming competitive? Yeah. Well, for me personally, if I'm in the therapist role or probably even in my life role, I want to acknowledge that the person might be right. Like number one, I'm not going to get anywhere if I'm insisting the person is wrong. So usually I'm trying to say, well, you may be right. Let's explore this further, right? Like you may, you might be right. So letting go of this ability that I have to be right is a, is a key to my personal and professional relationships. I don't have to be right. I've worked on my ego. It's not about me being right. Do you, you think that's what it is? I mean, this is this, let's take a little side street for a moment. Sure, sure, sure. And that is... Again, I'll, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment uh, sure. because I've worked very hard to let go of this part of my personality. It's, it's, I'm still a work in progress. I'll be readily, I'll readily, <laughs> you know, I come from, I come from the, I come, <laughs> from, too, the, I come from the world of trial lawyers. Uh -huh. There is no gray, you know, clients hired me to win. There's no gray. It, it wasn't literally, yes. it, it wasn't, I might be wrong. 
It was, yeah, yeah. I'm right, and here's why. Yes, yes. So to let that And that was go, appropriate for that field. It yeah. was for that field. And that's, for that field. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, there are times, you know, I'll bring to bear all of my persuasion, and I'll even admit it, like some of my hypnosis skills, and I've even done magic in court, and, you know, all these things to get people where I want them to be. Uh-huh. To uh-huh. hell with everything else. Uh-huh. I, I'm right. Here's the story I want you to adopt. Here's the narrative I want you to implant. Here's the outcome I need to have. How do uh, you shed that when you leave the courtroom? I didn't. Oh, okay. That's the work in progress. That was, okay. no, I'm telling oh. you, my, I stepped away. It, part of that whole life was uh-huh. so consuming. But bear in mind, uh-huh. I can't tell you that law created that. I, I've always mm. been very competitive mm. and we've joked before on this show, as a matter of mm-hmm. fact, mm-hmm. I'll play a game. And even with the kids, mm. I'm not letting anybody win. Mm. I just don't <laughs> let people win. If, if the, if the point, uh-huh. oh, but here's the, here's the thing. Yeah. I won't let anybody win if that's the point of the game. Uh, and what I'm suggesting is that when it comes to relationships, there's no game. No, You're no, not in no. it to win. I heard once that um, in a relationship between two people, right, be it a work relationship, a friendship, a family, a loved one, if I win and you lose, we lose. Yeah, absolutely. If you win and I lose, we lose. If we both lose, we lose. The only winning scenario is if both of us win. And so how do you do that? How do you take, Mm -hmm. you know, from a counseling standpoint, you know, I can certainly talk about it from a communication skills checklist kind of approach, but yep. from a, from a deep rooted therapeutical standpoint, how do you take somebody who maybe has either learned and, or culturally it's been ingrained to them, or they've seen it and they've modeled it from their, their parents or grandparents or both. Uh-huh, uh-huh. How do you take away that I need to be right in this relationship? And by the way, this touches, you know, we were going to follow up. This show is going to follow on the heels of bickering. Uh, And it's, I've got friends and family, couples who bicker and it's, it's lighthearted jabs and nobody's taking it as, Ooh, you wounded me. Yeah. Versus I've seen some pretty like, I really don't want to watch this awkward, uncomfortable arguments between people. And it's (laughs) all about being right. Yeah. 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 So you asked me a question, how do you take it from being right to, you know, some other form? Well, is the person willing to look at an alternative way of being, you know, if for them, they're just not willing to shed that way of being, I'm I'm not going to get anywhere. I can't make anybody get anywhere. If I help them see the losses in their winning and that opens them up to seeing alternative ways of being. That's like, you know, the win-win, win-loss, lose, you know, that kind of thing in a relationship. That can sometimes open them up to being. If we talk about what it feels like to be right, that when you are right, when you compare yourself to others or whatever, and you are right, the, the feeling of victory is so short-lived compared to when you see the devastation that you create in maybe some other people, particularly people you love or people you have an ongoing working relationship with, if, if winning at all costs comes with recognizing with compassion, the way it affects other people, maybe that can open up someone to, to realize like I can be right and hold it in my own heart. I don't have to shove it down someone else's face. So there's plenty of times where I know that I am speaking fact and I'm right about something and I don't have a desire, me, Michelle, personally, I don't have a desire to shove my being away from it. And that's, that's because the, the fight is not worth the, the spoils, you know, the spoils of the victory is not worth You know, the, what I see in the other person in the, in the losing. Yeah, so maybe maybe for listeners, uh, a a really easy way to look at this is if you find yourself constantly moving beyond bickering, 
yeah. healthy, healthy bickering. And you find yourself in a place where you feel, you believe you have to be right. I invite you all just to take a piece of paper and write down the word mm. payoff. Uh-huh. And ask your and, and write down when I'm right. Yes. What are the, what's the payoff of when I'm right? Yes. Yeah. And then after you get this very grand and glorious, because I think that can be global, right? It's a very macro 30,000 foot view sure. of what's the payoff of being right. Well, if I'm right, uh, feel good. If you're self-confident, yeah, it's like, I can't get in Pro- trouble. It's whatever out of my it is. Myself. You yeah. know, it's like, to help, you know, the, the rest of the world will be damned. I'm right. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, you know, I've always loved that line of God before us, who can be against us. And it's like, oh boy, except that maybe he's on the other side. Um, <laughs> and, and so it's because yeah, both sides of the war think they're fighting for their version of God. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, the first and foremost, I think for folks is to, to write down what does being right in any setting What's the payoff of that for you? Yeah. And there are certainly good things about being right, depending sure. on your, your profession, your avocation, you know, your, your play, your romance, all the different areas of your life. There are payoffs that this all makes sense. And, yep. then, and then look at, once you get that, just focus down, because we're talking about relationships here, and more importantly, your significant other, your partner, your lover, your spouse, Take a look at that kind of environment, your intimate relations. And instead of asking, what's the payoff of being right? Write down what's the cost. Exactly. And then you've got a balance sheet. It's very black and white. It's like looking at a bank statement. And, you know, not to make this transactional, but you start looking at what it's costing you. It's, It's much like, you know, when I talk to people about, weight loss, because I lost a ton of weight and I did it primarily. There's certainly exercise. We've done shows on this mm-hmm. while there's exercise involved. It was primarily done through a food journal, tracking everything that I consumed and understanding what the calorie intake was so that I could then moderate throughout the day, the, the whole concept I could feed, no pun intended, the whole concept of more calories burned less calories taken in. It's that simple. And, you know, when, when you start looking at your loving relationships, what is it that's actually most important? You know, Mm -hmm. if, if being right is going to cost you your relationship, that cost is probably higher. You know, it, it, let's just be really blunt here. Let me just get straight to it. Mm -hmm. If being right is going to result in you being alone. Yeah. Is that really worth it? Is the right. return on investment, no pun intended for you, right. is, the return, is the return on investment even there? Yes, exactly. And in, in cognitive distortion land, um, one of the cures for finding yourself struggling with being right is active listening. Meaning like when you find yourself zooming out to being right and wanting to prove this thing and hold your ground and dig your, if you can just stop and actively listen to this other person's perspective, like stay in the present moment and listen to their thoughts and their feelings, how they've come to their conclusions, how they've come to their decision. You then can have a discussion instead of an argument, right? You can, you can mirror back to them, what you've heard them say, what, what their experience is, you know, so active listening is a, another cure. So the balance sheet is one, active listening is another. What is their perspective? You know, if you're feeling like the reason why you're defending yourself is that you feel attacked or criticized, well, maybe there's a plea for some connection underneath the criticism that's coming at you from the other person. Uh, maybe there's some, some wishes for, for things that that person wants. And maybe you can ask, instead of just launching right into attack back or defend yourself because you're right, you know, asking, 
I think there's a request that you're making of me here. I think there's a want or a wish or a desire that you're making of me beneath this. And, and like, I love you and I want to get there. So what is your ask? Like, what are you asking of me? Right. And then, and then watch your sarcasm and your eye rolling and your ridicule, because that's contempt. And when somebody's giving you their point of view and you're eye rolling at them or you're mocking them with sarcasm, like, oh, yeah, right. Sure. You got that right. Your perspective is so accurate. You're so smart. You are really creating some devastation in that relationship. And then stonewalling is the other thing where you just you decide, like, I'm right. And I don't care what they have to say. And you just block them out and stop listening. And you just withdraw from the interaction or shut down. You stop responding to the other person. That, I mean, I understand if you're flooded from trauma, you know, maybe they're not handling their complaint in the most loving way, but you've got to work on staying present. Like at least saying, hey, I'm getting a little flooded here. And what you're saying is really important to me. Let me come back to you um, when I can calm myself down, but don't just withdraw or pretend you're listening when you're not. Because you've gone to the being right place. Yeah. And, you you know, one of the things I'll go back to, to a couple little tools that we've sprinkled through our shows, but this would be a good time to bring some of them together all in one place. And that is, you've heard, you guys have heard me talk about Byron Katie before and, and -hmm. the work, Mm -hmm. and it all begins with the question, is that true? Is that true? And when you're hearing things you don't like, Right. It starts if you want to work on the relationship and if this isn't about being right, when you hear things going on in your own head, I like to start with, is that true? Do I actually know that that's true? Yeah. You know, and we've talked about certainly some of the cognitive distortions that are out there, including the you're an idiot. You're stupid. Uh I hate I hate stupid people. I hear this all the time, by the way, from uh, a great many of my my clients who they just don't like, they can't tolerate stupid people. And then we have, we, we have to, that's cool. I get it, but we got to now explore what does that mean? Less intelligent in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, this is nothing new. It's, you know, they uh-huh. didn't, stupid people didn't turn up overnight. Right. Right. It's like, right. this has been a theme in your life. The question is, is it working for you? No, yes. it's agitating you and activating you and triggering mm-hmm. you. So let's go from there. So the first question I invite listeners, when you get these kinds of, I need to be right. Is that true that you need to be right? Is that actually even true? Yes. Is that a rule of the world? Is the earth going to shift on its axis? <laughs> is the sun going to be blotted out in the sky if you're not right? I know. Because I got to tell you, I'll tell you, I, I let you guys in a little secret of, of what I work with when I, I work with my election elected officials and politicians and leaders. I, t- I let them in on two secrets. Number one, the biggest superpower they have is silence. Yes. Just don't freaking say anything in response. Num- number two, ask yourself in two weeks will anybody actually care Yes. what this That's discussion was about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, you've got, you know, folks like me who love the competitive competitiveness for the sake of competitiveness. Mm-hmm. But when, mm-hmm. when you take a scorched earth approach, yeah. there are no crops to grow after that. You can't grow anything. That's why Uh it's called scorched earth. And so one of, you know, two big things that I talk to my, again, elected officials, just keep your mouth shut Uh if you don't have to talk, because most of the time you don't have to talk. And number two, uh, does it actually matter? Right. Then if you get past the, I got to say something, and then it's, It's, it does matter. You know, like the earth will shift on its axis and everything is going to start crumbling down. And there are mm-hmm. monsters under the bed. If I don't say something and shed light on it, uh-huh. uh, I'm going to take everybody back to those of you who understand Ho'oponopono. And it's a very interesting approach that I'll, I'll share without turning you all into Ho'oponopono experts. Maybe we'll do a show on that at some point, but it, it's a very, so there, there are commonly, more, it, more publicly, it's been 
made known that there are four statements that you say as part of Ho'oponopono, right? I love mm -hmm. you, I'm sorry, please forgive me and thank you. Uh, there are different variations of it. I certainly have my variation that we've talked about, but let's just take those four. An interesting approach when you understand that Ho'oponopono is based on the, I'm fixing me, I'm not fixing you. Mm. Right? This is about yeah. fixing me. It's about yeah. getting me to zero is the, is the concept and the approach. Uh, and I got to attribute Dr. E. Haleakala, uh, Hulin, uh, he's unfortunately passed on now out of Hawaii, who's the one who actually popularized what we're talking about right now. Didn't invent it, but popularized it mm -hmm. with his own take on it. The idea is, is to watch your partner hear what they're saying. This is the active listening Michelle was talking yeah. about. Yeah. And understand that the trauma, the fear, the anger, the frustration, et cetera, that they're feeling, yeah. you might have caused. <laughs> and to take a step yeah. back, to take a step uh -huh. back for a moment internally, or uh -huh. you just say, look, I need to take a quick break from this conversation and come back. Uh -huh. And those four lines that I gave you, it's an interesting little take on it, little nuance mm -hmm. here. You're saying this to yourself. I love you to, uh -huh. to yourself. I to love you. you. Like I love me. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for whatever's going on inside I, me that has caused, and I'll just use Michelle as an example. I'm sorry for whatever's going on inside me that has caused Michelle to feel so hurt or angry mm -hmm. or traumatized. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to know what it is. It's content free at this point. Mm -hmm. It's just, I love you to me. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for whatever's going on inside me that has activated, triggered Michelle. Someone else. Uh -huh. Please forgive me. Thank uh -huh. you. Uh -huh. it's, an, it's a very interesting way of suddenly being very mindful, as, as you've called it, Michelle, and noticing, oh my God, I'm part of this. I'm part of this. This yeah. isn't you from the outside being a scientist with a microscope looking in. This is a, your relationship. Uh, and you're part of it. It's, and I think, Michelle, you could probably attest to this as a couples therapist that people come in, I'm right, I'm right, no, they were wrong, and blah, 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 and suddenly it's like, guys, it's a two, it takes two to tango, right? Mm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think we we should do a whole show on Ho'oponopono, so I'm making a note of that for the okay. future. And I was going to say from real, okay, this, this is my... In closing, because we're coming to the end, this is my confession. I don't like being wrong. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say, now here's a great example. Did you say confession or concession? Confession. I thought you said concession. <laughs> so I don't like being wrong. <laughs> um, I don't like the feeling, particularly when my being wrong has created hurt in another person. So that's on my personal growth. I don't like the feeling or having to apologize, particularly for repetitive, similar mistakes. I like to learn from my mistakes. Now that said, even though I don't like the feeling of being wrong, it is going to happen to me over and over and over again in my lifetime. And the older I get and the more experiences I have with being wrong, the more I can get comfortable with the discomfort of being wrong and move past it to the mutual understanding piece, right? Like, even if I'm wrong, help me mutually understand what happened here, right? So I, I love that we're talking about Ho'oponopono because it's not about defending yourself to the other person. I'm saying the same thing. I don't want to be in a place where I'm defending myself to another person. I just want to hear them and see them and maybe not contribute to the pain right. that they're experiencing and also not have someone contributing to the pain that I'm experiencing. Right. But of course, if, for those of you that are like, yeah, I never say, you know, <laughs> let my other partner be right. But sometimes it's okay to let someone else be right. You don't have to prove your point all the time. You can just know in your own confidence who you are, what you know, without, boldly proving other people wrong all the time. It's just, it's not worth the angst of, of 
of like this win-lose interaction we have with other humans. So, but that said, I still confess, I don't like the feeling of being yeah, wrong. Well, well, and again, it's in, in, on my end in conclusion, the idea here is to take a relationship, commit yourself to that relationship and then be present and be open in it. Yeah. And if, if, if you're, if, if you're being competitive in it, well, that might be fun sometimes and it might be playful at, at times, if it's starting to become hurtful, uh, then, you know, I, I go back to, to the old saying sticks and stones can break a bone, but words can break a heart. Oh, words can break a heart that is a great place to end all right next week keep Mm -hmm. that in mind next week one of my favorite topics ah we're going to talk about how to negotiate and not not just subtly we're going to talk about how to negotiate like a pro i love it and i'm um, so excited this was my personal request of you so i'm so we'll, we'll talk about some little tips and tricks that, you know, obviously uh, it's, it's not going to be a master class, but it will certainly give you guys some ideas. And we'll talk about some little linguistic tricks and persuasion ideas and everything from body language and rapport all the way to just flicking saying, this is what I want. Can you make this happen? So mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll talk about all, all of that next week. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, and comment on your favorite podcast platform. And again, we've got our Facebook group. If you want to join that, uh, Mm -hmm. we would love to to join you there as well. Mm -hmm. With that, everybody be well. Bye-bye. Bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.